welcome to the No More Late Fees podcast. I'm Jackie. And I'm Danielle, and we're just two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees rewatching some of the best and worst movies from the late 90s and early 2000s. This week, we're taking it back and talking about a Danielle and Jackie movie, the 1998 John Waters film, Pecker. But before we dive in, let's get into some housekeeping. We did so good. Did we? I think it's uh, better than we've ever done before. (laughs) If you love the podcast and want to support us, here's a few ways you can. You can become one of our Patreon besties, gain access to exclusive content, stickers, ask me anything, polls, bonus videos, lives, Spotify playlists, and more. Just head on over to patreon.com slash no more late fees. And if money is a little tight, no worries. You can really help us by writing us a review. Did you know that writing a review and or rating us helps us get more listeners? Here's a great review from our buds, the Nostaljunk podcast. These are the types of personalities you want to hang out with and watch, talk all the way through a movie with. They review parts and segments from 90s and 2000 movies that not only make you laugh, but also make you want to rewatch the movie they're cracking up about. Five stars. Well, thank you, Nostalgia. We really appreciate that. And we hope that this episode makes you laugh because it's a doozy. (laughs) If you want to be featured and help us grow, head to Apple, Spotify, Podchasers, Good Pods, or your favorite pad, pad, I'm from uh, Boston now, your (laughs) podcast platform and leave us a review. That's for (laughs) Alyssa. And we have merch. Head on over to nomorelatefees.redbubble.com and let us tell you a story. How to steal from me? I'm going to crack your bones. <laughs> Danielle was just searching the red bubbles and she saw someone had stolen our logo and was passing it off and selling shirts as their own. And Danielle said, no, no, no. Redbubble take this shit down and they did but when you go and buy if you don't use that no more late fees at redbubble.com which I suggest you should make sure you're purchasing from no more late fees podcast and not some rando from Germany Germany we love you guys why talk to your <laughs> friends why shout out to Denmark as well we've been quite popular in the last few weeks which is great <laughs> <laughs> let's dive into the movie this description, I wrote my own description, and then I watched an interview with him on the Roseanne Barr show, which was tough to sit through. Roseanne um, had a show? Yeah, back in the 90s. Oh, Jesus. And this is straight from John Waters' mouth, how he described the movie as Pecker, and I sat and transcribed <laughs> how he described it because no one can do it better, obviously. Well then I better not fuck it up. Okay. (laughs) Waters describes Pecker as a kid who takes photographs of his very strange but loving family. His mom helps the homeless with fashion problems. His father has a local bar that is being put out of business by a lesbian strip club that opened across the street. His grandmother believes the statue of the Virgin Mary talks to her nightly. His sister hires straight go-go boys to dance at a gay go-go club and his other sister has an eating disorder and loves it his pictures are discovered by a new york art dealer and he's turned into a big star in new york and how that celebrity kind of screws up 
his happy life in Baltimore. I yep. wish we I wish we had a description like this for get over it <laughs> because we would have never been able to so eloquently describe what this movie is. No, not at all. <laughs> and I, I still don't even think our listeners even know. And I'm going to preface this because we know that this movie in particular is very niche. And we know that yes. there's like a, a lot of you who have not seen this movie. So buckle up, we're going to go through it, and it is unhinged to the highest form. And compared to some of his other movies, not so unhinged. It's pretty tame compared to like some of his earlier work. And if you know John Waters, you know John Waters. And Hairspray is like very John Waters light. So if you've only seen Hairspray, there's layers, and hairspray is like very surface and pecker's like maybe like Mid. you're up to your like shoulders <laughs> and then like peak flamingos is like you're at the bottom of the mariana trench so just <laughs> the movie stars edward forlong aka the little boy from terminator 2 <laughs> christina ricci mary Kay place martha plimpton Brendan Sexton III, a.k.a. Warren from Empire Records, and Lily Taylor. The movie was written and directed by John Waters, and you can watch it on iTunes and Amazon when you buy it, because it's not streaming. No. Not surprised in any way. But before we start, let's get into our ratings rewind. So you know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we'll reveal the rating our Y2K versions of ourselves would give. Then at the end, we'll see if our current selves agree with our initial rating. Our scale consists of, would buy it, would buy it again. The best would play on repeat. Five-day rental. Would watch again. Two-day rental. Okay, but nothing to write home about. Same-day rental. Get your scuba gear. We're going dumpster diving. (laughs) It's trash. So... Danielle, what was your Y2K rating of Pecker? Y2K, Danielle, loved this movie and had it on VHS. So it was a would buy. It's going to be interesting going through this movie because I'm wondering if Jackie and Danielle needed a clinical psychiatric evaluation. 100%. (laughs) And Y2K Jackie also owned this, I believe, on DVD, though. So we are both would buys for the Y2K experience. We want to know your Y2K rating, too. If you've seen this movie, hit us up at No More Late Fees on social and let us know where it ranks for you. Or if you're like our friends who refuse to listen to when we tell you to go on social, just continue to text us in our group chats. (laughs) You know who you are. You do. (laughs) You know. (laughs) You know. Danielle, what's the box office stats? It's boo-boo to fool right now. (laughs) Budget was six million. And it came in with a Baltimore 2.3. Why you gotta be attacking the fine people of Baltimore, Danielle? I just saying. Baltimore didn't come through for their fella. I'm just saying. Didn't yeah. come through. They were shy. 
And I, I did watch quite a few interviews, what I could find on the YouTubes with John Waters talking about Pecker. But he did say, like, he acknowledges most of his movies, do, like, lose money. <laughs> but he has fun. So there's and, that. And I think that is something that's really important, especially now, like, when we've gotten into the age of streaming and, you know, obviously we have this conversation that keeps coming around when it comes to Marvel and big budget blockbusters and all the like highfalutin directors bitching and complaining about it. I don't think we have to blame Marvel movies per se. I think we have to blame the studios for putting so much value on the money when this whole entire industry is an art form and we have to be very careful about how we treat that because did everyone see this movie or 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 any of John Waters movies no but eventually they things did pick up people they became cult favorites and and it represented a very marginalized group of people and it was from the lens of a marginalized person to give us a glimpse into that life. And that is how we connect and how we learn. And if we're not careful, like what happens with Netflix, they give out these, you know, TV shows and movies. And if you don't rank number in the top 10 in the first week that you're on the streaming service, they're ready to cancel you. And I just feel like that's not art. Absolutely. And I think it's stated really well in the last blockbuster documentary, which happens to be on Netflix, that like those movies that were not box office successes tend to find their audiences once they reached VHS. Yeah. Yeah. Once they were renting and people were like, have you seen this shit? You need to go and rent this. This movie is amazing like that's where they find their audience because a lot of these movies are not even wide box office releases so if you're not in a major city it's not even getting to you until it gets to the rental services and so that was one of the big draws to having your blockbusters hollywood videos any video rental is you could go and you could browse, you could find these like gems that spoke to you as a a viewer of art and it resonated with you. And I think that's what this was for me was because I had had some exposure to John Waters prior to this movie, only from my mom talking about him. And I think I had seen Hairspray when I was younger and knew he had created that and hairspray is kind of like bubblegum john waters it does deal with a lot of social and racial issues but it's bright colors and upbeat songs and things like that whereas pecker is more like real life of just kind of lower middle class baltimore and what his experience is on a daily basis and so i think this was kind of my first glimpse into some of that life experience that I had never experienced because I didn't grow up in that situation. And so it was like that counterculture that I was like, well, I need to know more about this because I want to understand where different 
people from different walks of life come from so that I can be a more well-rounded and accepting person. I I think when it comes to, and I, I think on this episode, everybody, we're probably a little bit more, we'll get a little, we're a little bit more deep because it, as we said, this is a Jackie and Danielle movie, which to us, what that means is Jackie and I became friends, but our friendship also was developed through our mutual love of movies and being able to find just out the box movies. And because we worked at Blockbuster and even before we worked at Blockbuster, we were going to Blockbuster and we were going into the middle of the different genre sections and not new releases. We wanted something different. We grew up in a a city that it wasn't small, but it wasn't big either. And I think both of us had both lived in bigger cities. I lived in New York, Jackie lived in California. So we kind of craved a little bit more diversity than what everybody else was kind of looking at at that time. And then we kind of felt cool because we were seeing these things that we knew everybody else wasn't watching in our school or our friends. And we had all these inside jokes because of these very odd off the wall movies. And it was great because then when we ventured out into the world and we would meet people, if someone says that they like Pecker, it's like coded for Jackie and I to say, oh, there are kind of people like Mm -hmm. we know that they're decent people. Exactly. So yeah, it so come with us into John Waters' <laughs> little world. And and also it was great because at this time, Christina Ricci, so many of like these teen stars, there were the typical teen rom-coms that we were watching, but parallel, there was like this whole indie movement happening at the same time where you were seeing some of these stars kind of carve out their own niches, like Christina Ricci, we saw Desert Blue with Brendan as well, and Casey Affleck and Kate Kate Hudson. Hudson. So 200 Cigarettes is similar. So we have these really indie movies with some of our favorite teen stars. They blew up later and had different careers, but it was cool to kind of watch them hone their craft in these movies. And they're just as good in these movies as they are in like the big budget movies. Like yeah. it's the, the talent was there from day one. Like, yeah. like you said, desert blue, which we need to get on the calendar because that's another really special Danielle Jackie movie. It was Kate Hudson's first movie. And so yeah. like, it was kind of like, Oh, that's Goldie Hawn's daughter. That's the only frame of reference we had about <laughs> Kate Hudson going into that movie. And now like, everyone knows who Kate Hudson is because she's turned into this incredible actress, especially after like almost famous, she kind of rose, which I feel like it wasn't long after she did desert blue that she blew up in that movie. Yeah. And she was really trying at the time not to use her mom's name as much to get jobs, which we, we learned if you haven't listened to our episode with Risa Bremen Garcia, (laughs) Um, the director of 200 Cigarettes, she kind of talks a little bit about Kate Hudson's start, which was kind of cool. Yeah. So just a little tiny bit about John Waters. 
obviously he is kind of like those one of those cult favorite directors like if you love his movies you love all his movies and you're pretty much a diehard John Waters fan he deals a lot with counterculture and kind of bringing social political issues to the forefront and he's pretty unapologetic about it he acknowledges he's kind of like different and kind of weird and he really doesn't give a shit what you think like he's gonna make the art that he's going to make and talk about things that were important to him and so and he he, puts, he put a lot of people on the map like Ricky Lake yeah you know when you talk about inclusivity and we were kind of having those conversations about just having body size inclusion in movies he had her starring in his movies as well as like Johnny Depp who always played with his career and he was in Crybaby and maybe you've seen that one there's just so many people that have been in his movies sorry I just (laughs) no you're good yeah so and and he has a very much like like Kevin Smith and some other directors Quentin Tarantino they have like their set of actors and crew that are just regulars are in almost every single one of their movies. And so John Waters, his group is referred to as the Dreamlanders. And that's a name based on his production company. And so in this movie in particular, we have Mary Vivian Price, Mink Stoll, Susan Lowe, Channing Wilroy, George Figgs, Patty Hearst. They're all acting in it. And then we have Pat Moran, Vincent Peranio, Van Smith, and Bess Armstrong. And so... Uh, he uses reoccurring actors and crew and if you recognize the name patty hurst it's because yes she is the granddaughter of the 19th century media mogul william randolph hurst and she was kidnapped by the symbanese liberation army in 1974 spent 19 months with her captors and joined them in criminal acts Soon after her kidnapping, before she was captured by the FBI, she really brought the concept of Stockholm Syndrome to like the forefront because here is this like very renowned family and the granddaughter is now off committing these crimes because she was kidnapped. So just a little tidbit about Patty Hearst. So he kind of seeks out people with really interesting histories and uh, views and stuff and uses them in his movies so now that we've set the stage this is the ninth movie by john waters it is called pecker pecker is the nickname of edward furlong's character because he never really ate he just pecked at his plate so that is the background for that (laughs) And so we start, he is always taking pictures. And when you first see this first scene, if you're not familiar with film photography, you get rolls of film and you have 24 frames. It's not like today where you can take a million pictures and decide on the one that you like. And so as we're watching this, Ken and I are both like, he's wasting an awful lot of film just be taking pictures, take pictures. But we find out later it's because his friend steals all the film for him. His manager. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
So he has his friend, Matt, played by Brendan Sexton III. He refers to himself as his manager and he steals the film from the supermarket. So that's why he can take all of these photos. So we see he's just walking along downtown Baltimore and just whatever he sees that's interesting to him. He's taking pictures of there's a lady reading. She flips like makes an angry face at the camera. There's a lady on the bus shaving her legs because she is on her way to work. Yeah, he sees a set of Black women with yes. the very most 90s hairstyle you could imagine. Yeah, it's just like you can. he's building. It's very similar to when you're watching Hairspray and the lead actress, Tracy is singing that first number. That first mm-hmm. number is an introduction to her neighborhood. And the same thing is happening in the beginning of this movie with Pecker taking his pictures. It's mm-hmm. him essentially introducing us to his neighborhood and the band of characters in his life. So we, yes. we, we're introduced picture by picture to all the people in his life. Exactly. Um, I believe the first one is his his best friend slash manager do we meet him first no we actually go to his place of work it's called the sub pit oh right right homeboy's supposed to be like serving the hamburger to someone and he's like on a stool taking pictures of it on the griddle i i also think what's very interesting in this movie is how optimistic all of these characters are so you see their way of life and you see that they're all hustling they're all they all have their jobs they're all trying to make money but in no way and form are they close to being rich and in some ways they normally when people would be going through their hardships as they as they do you would turn to be very stressed out and negative but every single person in his family is extremely positive and his outlook is extremely positive, which was something I don't know I, I paid attention to the first time or the million times that we watched this movie, probably because I was young and optimistic and didn't realize <laughs> that life was going to get fucking hard. But yeah, I, I, I thought that was an interesting spin on it. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the only one with a chip on her shoulder is little Chrissy. So we go to his place of work and he is getting ready for an upcoming show. So you also see him putting flyers all around the neighborhood as he's going through the day. So who is the person that he meets first? So uh, after he's off of work, hanging up the flyers, then that's when we meet Matt, the manager, his best friend. And they go and they do like, this term runs through my head <laughs> at least like every third or fourth time I'm shopping, at least. Mm-hmm. And the term is shopping for others. And what they do is they just find the most random shit to put in someone's grocery cart when they're not looking. <laughs> and they also, they match some of the items to be almost the complete opposite of whatever yes. that person should or would have. So some examples, and it's funny because Pecker is taking pictures Mm -hmm. and his best friend is holding said product 
without the person knowing. And then he puts them into the shopping carts. Yeah. Uh, they put preparation H into this really big Jim bros cart when he's not looking tampons in this, obviously very manly man, I guess, or he would not like having the tampons. One lady gets really upset about this disfigured, huge, I guess it's, it's just a, squash. a squash. Yeah. But she gets all turned up about it. So they, they do quite a few shopping carts and having a blast doing it. And it sets the scene as a distraction. Go ahead. Yeah, which I, I don't think I ever realized that's why they were shopping for others <laughs> as like, Y2K Jackie I just thought it was fucking hilarious that they were shopping for others same so while there's chaos at the checkout counter because apparently everyone's checking out at the same goddamn time (laughs) (laughs) Matt is stuffing his pants with the film he's the worst first of all he believes his career is a thief like he 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 doesn't if he can't be a thief there's no point of living really yeah but he's not good at it. Let's just put it that no. way. He's not good at it, but he, well, he's and, smart about the distraction though. Yes. But then like Pecker just can't, he can't put the camera down. Yes. And so it's like, he's taking pictures <laughs> of Matt still stealing the film while everyone's arguing with the manager, but then the manager catches on. And so like they get thrown out. And I don't understand because, okay, if this has happened before where I have something in my basket and I don't remember picking it up or there's stuff that I'm like oh I don't want this anymore Mm -hmm. and I just say I don't want this anymore I don't start freaking out because there's one thing in my it's a grocery store full of Karens Danielle (laughs) (laughs) start shit to start shit they I mean every single person gets to the checkout line at the same time and they're all discovering this one random item that's making them freak out so they oh, call the it- hippie I don't eat meat like, yeah he's so <laughs> offended that there's a steak in his cart <laughs> that one I would I would understand more than the rest like the preparation age guy starts losing his mind but no- there's nothing wrong with my butt but no <laughs> But nobody would see, no one would have noticed no. if he just said, I don't want this. But he made a whole song and dance about it. Yes. And then the manager does catch on and they bolt out. It's not like you're at the Walmart or some like chain store. You're at like the local grocery store. You have to go back there for groceries. <laughs> now they're going to know that you're fucking thieves. I bet this is a weekly occurrence. I okay? bet so too. But like, have they not caught on that the weird kid with the camera is always around when shit gets fucked up in everyone's carts? I agree. I don't know. I mean, with there's no point in, in asking questions with this whatsoever. movie. It's just, it is what it is. And we have to love it for what it is, which is like just a reverent take on kind of like someone who's just taking pictures of his day-to-day life that happens to hit celebrity status yeah I think it's a I think it's an interesting take on capitalism Mm -hmm. because you know he's not doing this for money but then money comes and then with money comes the celebrity and problems so yeah 
Next scene. Now we're at the spinning grin. The spinning grin is the laundromat. Now, can we... <laughs> Does she own the laundromat? I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, she's maybe 18. I think they're like of legal age, but like she acting like she's got no boss. She is, <laughs> she has boss babe energy. And she's like, I got to take care of the washing machines and like crazy lady over there dyeing her fucking clothes in my washer. So Christina Ricci's character, what is her name? Is it Beverly? Shelly. Shelly. Who's Beverly? Did I make that up? I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, added to the list. <laughs> Anywho, Shelly is Pecker's girlfriend. And we're going to say manager slash owner question mark this laundromat and she's got a lot of rules a lot of rules and if you aren't if you're going against her rules she's gonna bust a cap in your ass yeah she's not having it she's she's high strung (laughs) you know and i wonder if she was on is on the spectrum or something because she's so hyper focused yeah on on some of these things but yeah, she loves her some pecker, but I believe she loves laundry more. I think so too. I think it's laundry. I mean, she she talks about the stains <laughs> and like she's talking about the people doing their laundry and she's like that lady over there, tingleberries. Like <laughs> she, she knows everyone's literal dirty laundry secrets. She does take time out of her busy schedule as CEO of laundry business. Uh, <laughs> to pose for pictures for her wonderful pecker but there is a scene where (laughs) she catches this lady putting dye in the laundromat now if you've been privileged enough in your life that you've never had to use a laundromat there are rules at laundromats and one of them is you can't treat this like at home where you're dyeing your clothes you cannot do that and the way that this lady she has this very small basket I don't even know how much clothes she has and she goes I don't know if she says fall or spring she doesn't have any autumn clothes in her color palette and so she's dying like this dark forest green (laughs) and Shelly's like oh hell no (laughs) we're not dying your clothes up in here I don't care what your wardrobe says it it just makes me think of being in customer service when we were at Blockbuster. Just, it's really interesting to me how people will take their nonsense and their bullshit wherever they go. They don't yes. just leave it at home. They are, we were Blockbuster employees and we knew way too much about some of our, our customers that would come in because they were bringing their shit to the damn store. So I had a lady at Blockbuster once and she was just, she was always looking for the deal (laughs) and Jackie didn't play. (laughs) So she can manipulate like most of the guys. Yeah. But then when like Jackie was on duty, I think she would purposely not come in when I was there. (laughs) So she comes in one day and we had like the rewards cards. You got like one free movie rental mm-hmm. for like your renewal or anniversary or whatever and it, she comes in and she's like 
I, I scan the card and she's like, I, I check her out and she's, she's like, well, where's that card? I want it back. I was like, no, it's like one time use. Mm-hmm. I'm putting it in the register. And she's like, I'm Ari's aunt. And he said I could have it back. I was like, I know for a fact, you're not Ari's aunt and you're not getting this back. And so, <laughs> so Jackie also, as we've established, is a Tom Petty. Yes. And so what I did was I said, okay, you can have the card back. And I cut out the barcode and mm-hmm. handed her the card back. And I like cut the barcode into tiny pieces and threw it in the trash. And I was like, here's your card back. And she was like, I'm calling your manager. I'm like, please do. And you'll probably get Ari fired too, because if he's been letting you keep the card, that's against company policy. And I never saw her again. (laughs) I just wanted to be known that Danielle's only focus at Blockbuster was to sell them rewards programs. (laughs) She she liked to sell. (laughs) But she she got in trouble one time from Jackie because the way that she would sell sometimes, maybe not right by the books. And Jackie's like, what you doing? And I'm like, what? She's like, Danielle, you can't do that. She would, <laughs> like, because we had coupons for, like, new releases and old movies. There were two separate coupons. And so she knew if someone signed up for a reward program, it was about the same price as those two rentals together. And you got one free of each for signing up. So she would just not even tell the customer they were signing up for it and just stand the, scan those two coupons and like let them go on with their day. So they didn't know they were part of the rewards. She was like, oh, you got new cards is what she would tell me. I was helping <laughs> the people and I was helping the company line. That didn't work out so well for the company. That's, <laughs> the not, my, that's not my fault. <laughs> they made other decisions that had I, nothing to do. I was preventing people from reusing coupons and here Danielle was just scanning all the coupons she could find. I did it right. <laughs> they, just, they just didn't know they had rewards. And guess what? Those same people would come back and I'd be like, Barbara girl, you get a free rental anything in the middle go back and go pick another movie and they would be so happy with me I was building morale with customers and And I was was increasing sales your girl liked to sell (laughs) because they would get late fees on those free movies from the middle because they wouldn't return them (laughs) (laughs) not my problem Oh, customer service. Hello, I'm a sophisticate and so can you. Is the name of our podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm another of your hosts, Sydney. And we're two queer millennials with ADHD. Who have been lying about our own cultural literacy. If you've ever been in a situation where you pretended to know more than you do about an important movie or a piece of literature. Yeah, or like a super cool band. Then this is the show for you. This is a show where we engage with the canon so that you don't have to. Topics for discussion will include such things as... Is Carrie Brownstein the coolest person? Can anyone who likes the movie Chinatown be trusted? Why Tom Waits 
why. All of these questions and more will be answered on every episode of I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. Available wherever you find your podcast. So yes, Shelly, very high strung, high moral ground when it comes to her laundromat. (laughs) Takes her job very seriously. Yes. And then Pecker goes to meet his mom. Yes. Who owns a thrift store. And let me tell you, I want to go to this thrift store. It had a lot of, it had a lot of color, a lot of beautiful clothes and everything was 25 cents (laughs) yes I I really do love that his mom had a strong ethic code about helping the homeless and you could see throughout the movie that she is the only one who is very kind and does not treat any of the homeless people coming into the store differently she has empathy and compassion while we can see from a different lens how how other people treat them like second-class citizens, Mm -hmm. including Pecker's boss at the sub place who gives them a hard time later on in the movie. Yeah, so in this scene, as she's talking fashion with the homeless gentleman and lady, there is a, like, gold, like, very 70s modern clock on the wall. And Ken and I were both like, we want that clock. Of but course. then Ken, Ken noted, yeah, because we are very like 70s modern in our house. And then Ken noticed the clock was hung on the wall wrong. Three o'clock was where like 12 o'clock should be. Mm. I'm like, was that a conscious decision or did someone just hang it up on the wall and not give a shit? Someone hung it on the wall and didn't give a shit. <laughs> oh, I still want that clock. Anyway, getting back to the movie. Now Pecker goes to his dad's place. I don't know if dad owns it or just manages it. I think that dad owns this. It um, makes sense if dad owns it. Yeah. It is called the claw machine. It's like a crab house because Baltimore, obviously, but it's kind of like a dive bar feel. They do have an actual claw machine in the bar (laughs) and the things in the claw machine did you notice them danielle no what is it (laughs) i'm scared among the other things a box of x-lax a box of gas x a liquor bottle filled with a dark brown liquid and a cell phone so you could make a call clean your system out and help your guests while drinking while drinking all at the same time yeah but we missed a very important introduction we (gasps) learned that pecker has a younger sister and her name little chrissy (laughs) little chrissy is addicted to sugar i'm surprised she just has has an addictive personality in general we come to find out Yes, because it does shift. But yes, at this point in time, it's sugar is her her drug. Home girl. It's bad. It's so bad. I'm surprised this little girl does not have rotten teeth. Or the beatus. Yeah. The type two. Yeah. Yeah. And her mom is, again, very calm, doesn't ever get really upset with her. And Chrissy, I don't want to say they're tantrums. They're full out roid rage fits. 
I mean, she got, she's like having sugar highs and sugar lows. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Though <laughs> there are scenes in this movie where this child is literally trying to stuff a huge Snickers Twix bar down her throat. It's, it's troubling. It's yeah. troubling. So she starts to get riled up. And so the mom asks Pecker to take her home or whatever. So he brings her to you know dad's establishment yes and like no one is setting boundaries but chrissy her mom was telling her no no more candy she gets to her dad and he's like gives you want a jolt one of the sugariest extra caffeine crazy (laughs) and chrissy's like fuck yeah i want a jolt (laughs) and so what we learned during this scene is that there is a new establishment across the street that has taken customers away from the dad's establishment. And he's very upset and he makes it very clear if he was going to have a slogan to run for city council, it would be that pubic hair is not legal in a bar. Yes. So like pubic hair and alcohol cannot coexist. And I do want to say this, that that is actually interesting because in New York and with the strip clubs, don't ask me why I know this, but (laughs) the rules are very, very stringent about serving alcohol and serving titas. Okay. The tatas, the tatas can be out and you can have drinks. But the beaver gotta be under a cleaver. <laughs> so what would happen was you could serve alcohol downstairs with titties. Titas out, yes. But upstairs you can have beaver free roaming, but no alcohol very strict rules so I don't know if it's the same but I think it is so we find out that this establishment across the street is called the pelt room and it is a (laughs) lesbian strip club and what I love about this is that in so many movies especially with Hollywood when it comes to like if this was a scene in another movie of lesbians it would be what we I guess you can consider lipstick lesbians, but these are not those lesbians. No, they're fairly butch lesbians. And what is very interesting is we see full bush. Like we see the bush that offends dad. Yeah, but the bush isn't bushy though. I feel like they trim the sides. Yeah, no, the bush is not bushy. And then later on, when we meet the other sister, she works in a gay go-go dancer club, as John Waters puts it. Mm-hmm. And we never see Dick. It was we see Punani, but we never really in movies we don't right. see, you know. Yeah. So I wonder if he was like leaning towards that and then like was told, no, you can't show that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he tried to push the envelope as much as he could. Yeah. Um but he was already at an R rating, so I don't think. And he he did say he had to go before the MPAA because they told him he couldn't use the name Pecker. And so 
he said he always wanted to be a lawyer. So he was very excited to go and argue his case in front of the <laughs> And he said that you have the movies Shaft and Free Willy. And I can't use the name Pecker to refer to someone's nickname. Right. Because it's, it's not in any way in this movie a reference to his penis. Yeah. And he's like, it's the most benign use of, is anyone ever going to be like, I'm going to fuck you with my pecker? Like, they're (laughs) not going to say that. And so he's like, it's just a silly word for a penis. But in this context, it's not even referring to a penis. It's a kid's nickname. I don't know why. And I don't know who this man is, but whoever came out of you, his name is Dave. And Dave, (laughs) Dave is saying that. I'm gonna fuck you with my pecker. (laughs) I feel like Dave is a truck driver. He's, you know who he is, Danielle? Let me hear it. He's the truck driver that is hauling the logs that kill the kids in Final Destination. Pecker then heads on home and we can see their house. It's very Baltimore streets. Everything is. Yes. It's very Baltimore. And me, mama is Pecker's grandmother and she has a little roadside setup. What is she selling? Hold on. I think some sort of beef. Pit pit beef. That pit beef looks bloody. Like it doesn't look if you on the outside it looks charred, but in the on the it looks very red on the inside. Yeah. So I being from Texas, there's a lot of barbecue. Right. So like a pit is where you like smoke your meat. Right. So yes, it does look bloody and it probably shouldn't be that red and bloody if like she's smoking it for hours like you're supposed to. Right. Yeah. Like I get why it's called pit beef. Yeah, no, I got that part, but it was just like, you look a little red, (laughs) look a little red. And so, yeah, people are pulling up our Dave would definitely be pulling up at me mama's pit me and mama give me some of that pit beef and she like cuts a slice a few slices puts it on some bread but the aluminum foil that she uses looks it was like it was reused yes it looks like <laughs> so my my nana definitely recycles everything so if the aluminum foil was not like used to the gritty nitty she washing it and she reusing it. So yeah, me and Mama, uh, Pecker gets home. Me and Mama is super excited. She puts her pit beef on hold. Can't she take puts, any customers right now. I love that she pulls out this sign and says, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'll be back. And she is huffing it. And grip, me Mama is not a young, a young oh. whippersnapper, but she is huffing it up them stairs. And I noticed that the staircase they have in the house has no railing. I was like, damn, we're really taking chances with me, mama's life <laughs> and little Chrissy's life when she's on a sugar high or sugar low. But me, mama has the Virgin Mary on her side. So it's fine. <gasps> Danielle, please explain about the miracle that happens to me, mama. If there's one thing about this movie that no matter, I can forget the entire plot of this movie, but I will always remember full of grace, full of grace. Me, Mama's mouth is moving and shit, <laughs> but she is convinced her statue of the Virgin Mary that's 
plastic or like a rubber because she can make the mouth move. It's like a very odd ventriloquist dummy, but it's the Virgin Mary instead. And Mima is not great at throwing her voice. Not at all. And Pecker, he really plays into this. Yeah. So she's like, oh, she's been talking today. She's been real chatty. So as the audience, you have no idea what you're in for, right? You just like, who's I was waiting for a real miracle. (laughs) I was. And she's got this entire, you know, setup. I wanted to say throne. Altar. Thank you. She has an Mm -hmm. altar for for, uh, Mary. And she goes ahead and pulls that puppeteer stuff. But it's her full on saying, full of grace, full of grace. It's like a parrot. Yes, it is. It is like a parrot. <laughs> and Pecker's like, oh my God, me mama, this is amazing. It's a miracle. She'd be talking to you. <laughs> it, it, Pecker is just a kind soul. Like he just wants to do his photography and love on Shelly and like live his life. I, I, there's somebody on the news aka tiktok who says live delusionally be happy yeah yeah so i'm i'm totally down with this this mindset that this entire family has so pretty much after now we've met all the main characters all of his family nope i'm sorry we We missed we we gotta truck it down to uh the go-go club the fudge palace danielle is what it's called <laughs> or as Mima Ma refers to it the devil's workshop <laughs> so excited to remember that martha plimpton is in this movie her yes. wig her wig in this movie unhinged as well it it's it's almost another character this movie was made in 98 she was still rocking like 80s rocker girl hair. Yes. Like it is teased and curled to the gods. <laughs> and she is very happy. She's kind of like the MC slash bartender slash manager at the Fudge Palace. <laughs> and, and this is where Jackie and I learned the terminology of teabagging for the very first time. And not only learned the word, we actually saw the movement as to what it was. So way before adolescent boys were teabagging each other virtually in their Xbox games, (laughs) we saw this wonderful movie, Pecker, where we witnessed a go-go dancer on the bar, Coyote Ugly style, just dropping his balls on some bald guy's head. And that was against the rules. No teabagging. Yes. No teabagging. No teabagging. So because his sister works there, Pecker's allowed to come in and he takes pictures while he's there. And his sister truly loves her job. She is fulfilled. She is excited. She loves her work. She's got, like everyone has their little dancer persona (laughs) she is like danielle and has a backstory for everyone (laughs) it's catchy it rhymes she like she's flowing on the microphone keeping everyone in line making sure there's no teabagging happening live her best life and i think she was the first character that introduced 
the terminology married to me. And it was funny, like how long it took before that got into the mainstream. So I was like, been saying that. That's how I felt. She calls everyone Mary. And then it offends me, Mama, because she's like, you cannot take the Virgin Mary's (laughs) name in vain and just be calling any person Mary up in here. (laughs) So yes, now we've met the full cast of characters in Pecker's family. And pretty much what happens next, just to kind of go through the main points is that Pecker is going to have a show. His and his mom is everybody's so supportive. His mom mm-hmm. finds you know different frames for him. His boss lets him have his pictures up. He does go at some point over to the lesbian strip club to take pictures of an exposed beaver. And yes. it includes it in his his show. And most people don't know what it is at the angle in which he has taken the photos. And then, so yeah, he is at work and he invites everybody to come and see a show. His parents stop by, me, mama shows by, stops by his sister, even the two homeless people that his mom helps out. And this is where we see like the owner and his boss kind of just be a huge jerk to the homeless people, pretty much telling everybody that they have to buy something in order to stay and watch, look at the show and that's the bathroom the bathroom which I find really funny because the moment that there's a distraction they bolt to the bathroom yeah so I I'm wondering if him saying this is because they've tried to sneak into the bathroom multiple times probably going back to the photography so they actually had a photographer that took all those pictures and so his name was Chuck Shikoshi Shikaki's Shikoshi. Just let it go, girl. Let it go. Chuck Shikoshi's. <laughs> I fucked that up. Just say Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> so he was taking all the pictures on the set, but it was while they were acting. So he was behind the um, camera taking picture, Right taking these pictures then he would have to go drop them off at the lab to be developed and then he would go to his personal dark room with the uh, negatives and develop the pictures overnight to give to John Waters the next morning and John Waters wanted the photographs to look deliberately amateur right and so he would have the photographer Chuck print through glass he had covered in dirt and tea bag stains (laughs) and that's according to an interview with aperture.org to just make them look really gritty and like not refined photos so that's how they got all those pictures was like it was while they were shooting and so an art dealer from new york happens to come in to pecker's improv like very grassroots <laughs> it's the goddamn sub shop <laughs> it's a goddamn sub shop in the middle of a subsection of baltimore that's what it is and she said she was going to the baltimore museum and saw the flyers and hence mm-hmm. she she braved because i'll tell you this if you don't live in baltimore you ain't walking around in baltimore i've been to baltimore a few times and 
And I'm sorry if anyone's from Baltimore. I apologize, but your city is rough. It is. I think they acknowledge that. Yeah. So this this art dealer is named Rory. She is played by Lily Taylor. And she's like, and your aesthetic. It's so real and gritty. And I want to have your art at my gallery in New York City. And I think this is a great thing about John Waters and probably him. It's very much him mocking the entire art scene and just like how it works because it's never really the real artists who are out in the world making it. It is essentially rich white people in these glamorous big cities and they will grip onto something that is counterculture, I guess you could say Mm -hmm. to what their existence is. And they look at it almost as animals in a zoo that they get to put on display and watch. And I think this movie is very funny and silly, but there's a few main messages, but one of them is talking about that whole system in which how things work. Yes. And she does, out of all of the the photographs that are on, that are displayed, she buys the beaver picture for $30. And what I love is as soon as she comes around, Shelly and her, they peep game immediately with each other. Immediately. Oh, Shelly is like. Right. Shelly. You be too too close to my picker. Right. Yeah. She's not feeling that. I do want to say how much I absolutely adore the actress, Lily Taylor. If you haven't seen her in a movie, you're wrong. You have. You just don't remember. But my favorite movie, it's one for me and my mom. We had it on VHS. It's called Dogfight with River Phoenix. And to this day, it's still one of my favorites. I just, it's a very good movie. So we kind of fast forward and now we're in New York City and has this gallery. I love how they quickly just like you went to meeting her to, okay, there wasn't a lot of exposition and there no this is quick this movie was yeah. not there's no wasted time in this movie no yeah I think the longest amount of time is spent introducing all the people in Pecker's life yeah and so <clears throat> now we're in New York City Pecker's family very obviously are fish out of water they're in this big city mom's still like inviting the homeless <laughs> to like the the catered dinner after the art gallery she's giving them like her coat off her back right but they don't know that's the other thing no the only person I feel like who is very aware or feels out of place is Shelly but the rest of the family is completely delusional and has yeah. no idea that they are fish out of water yes so like Tina, the older sister, is just going around calling everyone Mary. And she's like, that's me and that picture right there. Like she is <laughs> having the time of her life. Little Christina is just sugar, sugar, sugar. Little Christy's crazy. <laughs> and so Chrissy, sorry. Hold on. What? I just realized. So she's little Chrissy. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming her name is Christina. And mm-hmm. the older sister's name is Tina, which so is short. Both of their children, Christina. 
And that's why they call her little Chrissy. Mind blown. I just realized that. And a long goddamn time. But do we ever find out what Pecker's real name is? Because that no. that okay. It's probably Chris- Christina. It's Christina. (laughs) That's why they all got nicknames. Family made it real easy. Maybe me and my mom was like, couldn't couldn't retain. Maybe that's me mama's name. And they were saying, we're going to name everybody after me mama because she's amazing. I like it. More backstories. (laughs) (laughs) And we learned that the pictures are just flying off the walls. Yeah, like everyone yeah. is enamored. We're kind of introduced to these Artsy. secondary, yeah, secondary characters. And they're all just like exaggerations of who you would typically see at an <laughs> art gallery. There's an art critic from the New York Times who like never likes anything, but he actually likes Pecker's art. And all the while people are at Pecker's art gallery, buying his art, and Pecker's taking more pictures of these people looking at his art. And so, like, he sells almost everything. They're going for $1,300 a pop. It was a successful night for him. They go to the after party, which was like a fancy sit-down dinner. The homeless people show up. So, like, they're trying to be like, you guys don't belong here. I don't know why you're here. It's a private party. And the mom's like, oh, I invited them. It's it's absolute chaos because in this scene, Pecker stands up to give a speech to thank every single person in his life. But every single person he is talking about is having their own little side conversations or stories at this point. They're not even paying attention to Pecker per se. His girlfriend is having a full-on spiral about the laundromat. This it's off the rails. I'm like, girl, if you don't shut up about this damn laundromat, she's like, I should be at work. They, they, they're probably breaking all my rules. They were just waiting for me to leave. And she's talking to this other random lady. She's like, bitch, ain't nobody care about this laundry. The lady's that. like, I'm sure it will be fine. <laughs> so she's not hearing anything that's happening. Little Chrissy is terrified because there's vegetables on her plate. And she's just like, what the hell's going on? The the dad, I think is, obs- I think he's talking about pubic hair again. Yeah, he's just really hyper-focused. A lot of hyper-focused energy in this movie. <laughs> dad about the pubic hair and alcohol. Shelly about the laundromat in general. Yeah. Uh, Chrissy little Chrissy, yeah, sugar. about the sugar. Mom about Tina, the homeless. Yeah, Tina about the Marys. Like, it's all just very hyper. Even Pecker with his photography, like, he never puts his camera down. Right. And his best friend is all of a sudden getting lucky because he talks about this that no, he's the best thief in town, but no, no girl really wants to be with him. But when he gets to New York, and because everyone knows that he's a thief, he's got not one, but two girls all up mm-hmm. on him. And so, yeah, the party is kind of a disaster, but no, again, no, no self-awareness from any of these people. Except for Shelly, because Shelly, like, looks at the little name tag and it says Pecker plus one, like, and like, you know, person. yeah, you know, Rory knows her name, Rory be playing games. And then Rory's like all up on Pecker the whole time. And Shelly's just like, 
the laundromat and like the pecker rory situation she can't handle shit and then and someone tells her or someone says life is nothing if you're not obsessed and then like little chrissy runs by and someone's like you want a value (laughs) so but it it feels very much authentic to what probably happens in situations like you know like yeah someone just got a volume like here the child crazy give her a volume should chill out I have been to some of these kind of parties before when I lived in New York and it is like a whole nother world and lifestyle the rules are different people are doing some weird shit and you kind of walk away from it saying, you know what? My life might be hard. I may not be rich, but I got my sanity about my, uh, well, I, I kind of have some sanity about myself in comparison. Anywho, they all end up, they go to the bus station and they head back to Baltimore. While they're on the bus, they get the brand new newspaper with the art section that splashes that Pecker is the the next, the it guy in yes. um, the art world. But the way in which they, the family is written about is, you know, kind of like backhanded compliments. So as a whole, they're described as the culturally challenged family and Shelly is labeled as a stained goddess. Yeah. So the public is obsessed with them as characters, essentially, and not just like people. And they that's how they're written about. That's how they're perceived almost like accessories, mm-hmm. fun little jokes, you know? Yeah. Kind of how like we looked at the Jersey Shore people. I'm bringing them up again because I'm now finding them very relevant in this conversation (laughs) where, you know, we weren't looking, reality stars, we're not looking at them as real people. We're, you know, judging. And then by the time they get back home, which I also love that you see that they take take a a bus and then they Mm -hmm. take another city bus to get home. By the time they arrive at home, they now see that their home has been burgled. <laughs> the house has been broken into and their stuff has been stolen. But in Baltimore, if you put in the newspaper that Pecker- You're not going to be home. Ton of money and you're away. Yeah. Yeah. You about to get robbed. Yeah. So they stole the radio, the TV, Tina's Liza Minnelli CD. <laughs> yes. But Pecker's- pictures and all that are safe mm-hmm. and me mama is very thankful because mary was with her mm-hmm. so no one could steal that and yes. chrissy was very upset that her cookies were stolen i forgot about the cookies <laughs> chrissy did not full on rage session again oh she was so upset so is there an article I wrote pelt room pubic hair causes crime? Was there an art? I think there was an article in the paper about the pelt room because oh. then they find out because of Pecker's pictures, they find out like full bush exposed and dad is on that crusade. And so now there's like an, a, Investigation. an article. Yeah. And then Rory calls and it almost seems like 
Rory had the house burgled <laughs> while they were gone. Cause she's like, oh, well, are you taking pictures of everyone in their like misery? I, I don't know if she did it on purpose. I don't think so. I think she's just, it just shows you this is like one of, one of many signs she's opportunistic, right? Mm-hmm. But what happens because of this overnight success of Pecker's pictures, we get this sense that now this lack of self-awareness that was happening before the the gallery opening is gone that it's hyper awareness yes like he's gone yeah he's trying to take pictures of his mom and she's like pecker my hair is not even done right like that where before they didn't give a shit it was just like what they were like they were in their element and pecker was taking pictures right and then the reason why rory called was because he was offered a gallery at the whitney and it was called a peek at pecker (laughs) and if you know the Whitney is like one of the big museums in New York City and then he tells he's super excited because obviously like right and he tells Shelly about it and Shelly's response is like don't become an asshole pecker I beg of you (laughs) don't become an asshole well she does hang up on Rory because like the family is literally dealing still with the fact that their house has been robbed Mm -hmm. and I I think it's the next day or maybe it's still the same day but the family is gathering at the table and they're having breakfast and this is one detail that I don't think I've ever noticed which is the fact that Tina is in full-blown underwear walking around the house I didn't even notice that girl ain't got no no pants on with her daddy right there and her brother it was it was weird she came running down because she was on she's like I'm on MTV (laughs) y'all and then you don't see her when she comes down the stairs you don't see her with the clothes but when she runs to get the door because there's a package which is another magazine that Pecker's been in she ain't got no pants on. Is that why the UPS guy was like peeking in the, the house? I was like, is he casing the joint? Cause it, they ain't got shit left, I, but I don't know. It, it would make sense if like he was looking because in Tina's own world words, I'm a model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No pants. And the articles that continue to come out are, are really exposing everybody. Now we see that what is his name matt his best mm-hmm. friend matt can't even a thieving no more because now everyone knows he's a thief yeah thief and uh <laughs> i love how jamaican you turned in that moment <laughs> and i do want to say like before we go through all the stuff when tina's prancing around talking about how they're famous like the jackson family now she yeah. does say <laughs> Move over RuPaul and John Waters is really good friends with RuPaul. So he gave his friend a little shout out. And I, I do love the dad's response to that line when he's like, we're like the Jacksons. He's like, you take that back. No, we're not <laughs> <laughs> like very seriously. The dad is never serious. And that one statement made him very upset. He's like, you know why? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. CPS is called on Lil Chrissy. Okay, so 
in this took, same scene they took liberties with what uh <laughs> cps is capable of doing they're like she comes through the door no documentation whatsoever and she's like i'm with cps and then she doesn't even say okay you need to come and meet the doctors no diagnosis nothing no she needs ritalin she has a adhd and she needs ritalin yep and then little chrissy becomes like zombied out for real yeah and she, she it's almost like she's a pill popper because she's just walking up to mom all like and just like pointing at her mouth like give me more drugs there was a scene that we missed oh. a, a while ago and it, i'm only going back to it because it's literally my favorite which is pecker and matt are downstairs and they hear movement and they're like it's her so they run upstairs from the basement and they catch Chrissy and she's not even trying to hide it. This girl is on top of the counter. Domino sugar bag in one hand. The other hand is full on grabbing it and just taking it to the head. Just pure sugar. Not so, snorting. She's eating. It. She, yeah, sorry. Just <laughs> eating the sugar. But then she gets to a point where, again, she's zombied out. But this is before the drugs. And she just like drooling sugar. It was. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> so at first, that's what I wanted to be my background picture. But I'm like, I really don't want to look at Chrissy <laughs> drooling sugar for an hour. And so I, I went with just a standard pecker. Yeah. So Chrissy's drugged yes. out. Matt can't steal. Later down the line, Tina gets fired from the fudge fudge palace (laughs) palace fudge packing palace (laughs) and we start to see the people that pecker typically interacts with that didn't care that he was taking photos of them are now like pissed they're like we didn't get paid we didn't give our permission right so like he passes a guy that has like their radio and he's like <laughs> uh you didn't give me any money for my photographs, so i robbed your house that's how uh you get paid in baltimore fair enough yep so Pecker continues to keep trying to go to his old stomping grounds because he's a fiend. He has to take his pictures. His girlfriend is pissed with him because she's getting nothing but calls from crazies wanting to like see her and they're obsessed. Prior to that Uh scene, they're in a clothing boutique that it's not mom's. It's someone else's. Right. And And they're stealing. Yeah, Matt's trying to steal belts and shit and like a <laughs> vest. And the lady she is like, give me pull their peckers out. Yeah, yeah. She's like, give me, give me that camera. Pull your, but it wasn't their peckers out. Whip out your units. <laughs> I'm going to say what that she to says. the next man I date. Whip out your unit. I want to see that unit. <laughs> I'm going to fuck you with my pecker. (laughs) And I'm ready for your unit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The boutique lady makes them whip out their units and she takes a picture of them. 
Which is why I'm assuming Pecker and Matt are both over the age of 18 because child pornography and they don't seem to go to school. No one ever, like, does Chrissy go to school? It's the summer. Okay. Fair It's not. I'm just (laughs) I mean, we can go with that. Yeah, no. Chrissy's a delinquent. And the boutique lady also, after she takes the picture of their unit, says, now that's what I call a pecker print. (laughs) (laughs) But she does say some people don't want to be art. Which, fair, uh, a couple of points. There are quite a few people that are number one in public in a public space you can be photographed it's like if you're out in public Mm -hmm. like you don't need to give your consent right number two a lot of these people are like posing for the pictures right so like they're acknowledging by their posing I would feel in a court of law if I was a lawyer that was like, what did you think he was going to do with the, these photographs? He, they sure didn't think this bitch ass was going to get in the paper. <laughs> Come on now. It's like, okay, Pecker going to have my picture at the sub house or whatever. <laughs> Not the New York Times. There's a difference. Okay. Well, but anyway. you know, when you get money, people change. Yeah. They say you change, but people change too. So yeah. how they interact with you changes right yeah that's why that guy that won the lottery wore a ghost face killer mask i would do the damn same (laughs) when he picked up his chick yeah and yes i call them ghost face killer because i will never not call him ghost face so this is also when matt has his like revelation that he can no longer steal people know his game and so he's like if i can't steal i don't want to be famous is what he says and now we're at the laundromat with shelly she's on the phone with mr creepy saying put your vagina up to the phone oh i have to do it in day voice put your vagina (laughs) that was like a ghost face killer voice I can't remember yeah. what to, hold on. I'm gonna fucking okay. <laughs> put your <laughs> I didn't get, get a character. <laughs> put your vagina up to the phone. And, and that's gonna make it to YouTube, y'all. It's gonna get taken down. <laughs> I'm just quoting the movie. <laughs> and so he that. The creepy voice man telling her to put her vagina up to the phone is John Waters. That's his little cameo. In the That's movie. a wonderful cameo to have. Yeah. So just harassing Shelly over the phone. <sighs> and this is when Shelly's like, stop taking my picture. Like, I don't want to be photographed. I want to run my laundromat and be in control of my little universe. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs> And then there's also a weird gentleman humping the washing machine. And he's like, Pecker, take my picture. And Pecker (laughs) 
can't help himself. He wants to take this man's picture so bad. Yeah. And Shelly's like, I swear to God, I swear <laughs> to God. You pick up that goddamn camera. We gonna have some problems. He pulls it up anyways. He takes a picture. And uh, so Shelly's pretty pissed at him. And I think now he tries to go to the the titty bar. I don't like the word titty. I just don't. I'm going to say titas. The tita bar. I think he goes there and he sees that all of the strippers and everybody are getting arrested. Yeah, there's a raid. On one side, his dad is like, get (laughs) him. justice for the bush (laughs) justice for the claw machine and on the other side is all the patrons patron patrons pastry chefs the patron (laughs) patron (laughs) patrons they're mad because their favorite establishment is gone This is accurate. It's around this time that Pecker goes home. He has a package from Rory. She sends him a new camera, like a fancy Nikon camera. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to the thrift store. And we again see little Chrissy is comatose. She needs more meds. And there's like a photo shoot with this photographer and pecker's like i don't want to be in front of the camera i want to be behind the camera they have mom and hair and makeup and she's he's like what the hell did you do to my mom she didn't look that much different to me but whatever. damn she looked clean she looked like she found a bar of soap <sighs> they do like the ho- the homeless couple is all cleaned up and they're getting are they a couple because she always looks very irritated when he tries to touch her isn't that is that what a couple is (laughs) (laughs) sometimes oh this is how you know you're single (laughs) (laughs) i mean in unhealthy relationships they're going on hard times i'm sure she's like don't don't come at me with that pecker that hasn't been washed in a month I'm not messing with you, Cletus. <laughs> so essentially, there, there's a photo shoot scheduled for Vogue at mom's thrift shop. And Pecker's not having it. He's like, I don't want to be in front of the camera. I want to be behind the camera. Fuck y'all. Meanwhile, the homeless couple living their best lives, <laughs> doing all the modeling, pulling out all the moves. It's so weird because he's yelling at them, stop modeling, stop and they're that. just like mm. <laughs> they're voguing super model <laughs> jackie and i just pretended to vogue if you're just listening we are unhinged in this unhinged <laughs> so <laughs> so pecker goes home and me mama is being accosted by damn catholics yes they came on a pilgrimage to see the talking virgin mary and they're like your lips are moving you're doing that and me mama's like i don't know what the fuck you talking about (laughs) this is a miracle and they're like 
your lips are moving. You're doing that. That is not the Virgin Mary talking to you. And me, mama is like, no, no miracle. (laughs) And they break her essentially. She's living blissfully unknown, thinking that her miracle is happening and they tell her no, and they're going to go back and tell the Pope or whatever. I don't know. And Pecker comes to ask me mama for a miracle. And mm-hmm. she has zero miracles left at this yeah. point. Mary's not talking anymore. No. Mary has sh- closed shop. And me mama mm-hmm. blames Pecker's photos. Yeah. She said, I, I should have never been in that magazine and essentially this has ruined the miracle for me and now we're at the fudge palace fudge back (laughs) at the fudge palace there is like a crazy line of people trying to now get in there and this is i think this is a really good call out too because and this is happening now this continues to happen where gay bars and gay clubs were created for like a safe haven and a lot of, especially a lot of cis straight females now go to these clubs to have fun, but they're invading a safe space. And so this is kind of very similar situation. It's turned into a spectacle. Yeah. It's like a hot spot instead of Mm -hmm. just a place for people to feel comfortable. So Pecker kind of scrambles in, in the midst of this craziness outside which the owner slash boss of his sister is trying to rally these people who are trying to get in and I think somebody's asking to be teabagged at this point and they're all there to be teabagged right right and the boss finds out and he's like who the fuck is teabagging there's no teabagging allowed and he realizes it's from Pecker's picture. And so he fires Tina. And before that, even one of the dancers, his parents fi- like see his picture in the newspaper and come to get his ass. Mm-hmm. And they're like, and he's like, I'm not gay. And when he says I'm not gay, they're giving me blowjobs. I'm not giving them blowjobs. Yep. <laughs> his dad's like, get your ass down here. Yeah, ruining people's lives, Pecker. Ruining people's privacy as well. And so he gets his sister fired from her very important life-confirming job. So now everyone's really, really upset with him. And then I think we're at the scene where Rory comes. Yes, so Pecker's dark room is in the basement. Rory goes down there. And she's like, I need more photos for the Whitney. And he's like, my photos are all shit now. Like no one wants me to take these authentic pictures of like life in Baltimore. Everyone's mad at me. I can't like, I've lost my artistic edge essentially. And she's like, you'll figure it out. And then she starts like coming on to him. (laughs) She's like, she just needs one night. One night only. Just like dream girl. (laughs) She just needs one night with him. And what's weird, the scene is weird because Shelly knows that he's in the basement. She comes from the side of the house. She's looking in the window and she's watching them. 
but she, she has her own Kodak camera. Yeah, she has a disposable camera. And I think like her intent was, I'm going to give him a, a taste of his own medicine. Because we've already seen from the Vogue photo shoot, he's highly uncomfortable with other people taking pictures of him. And so I think she was like trying to show him like, not everyone's comfortable with this. And right. maybe I was okay with it before, but I'm not now. And you're putting people in situations where you're forcing them to become art and they don't want to be. But in her attempt to do that, looking through the basement window, and, and I would have felt a little better about the scene if if Rory had just like grabbed him and kissed him without consent. Yeah, but, but he was kissing her back. He said, yeah, sure, he, let me. Yeah, he agreed to the one night. <laughs> And, and so you know obviously Shelly's pissed. All this teaches me is no matter what, dudes ain't shit, but hoes and tricks. <laughs> so, and then he goes, it's not what you think. You just agreed to have sex with this art dealer lady. It's exactly what Shelly thinks. Mm-hmm. And she's got photographic evidence. <laughs> But before he runs out to go get Shelly, he cancels the Whitney show and pretty much says, if they want my stuff, they got to come to Baltimore. Yeah. And he smashes the brand new camera. Why you got to do that? You could have sold that. That was stupid. (laughs) That was just dumb. And then he chases after Shelly. He runs into his homeboy getting kicked out of the sub place. He's hit the, the owner of the sub place actually has him in a headlock because he's been thieving. And he he's going to call Cherry Lewis and tell me <laughs> stole his donation money. And so in, in the moment when he's with Shelly, Packers with Shelly, he does get paid like over $70,000. So mm-hmm. he tells his, his homeboy, like, look, I got money. I can pay you to be my manager. Let's roll. So he's throwing film canister things at his old boss. And then that makes him uh, lose his grip on Matt. They start running after Shelly. Shelly, it's a, it's a good time. It's time to vote. So Shelly <laughs> is in the voting booth because she knows that is the safest place that Pecker can't get to. Um, but unbeknownst to her, Pecker and Matt do a one-two wool pull over the the eyes kind of situation for this crazy lady running the the, the precinct captain played by Ming Stoll. Yes. And she's been in multiple of mm-hmm. John Waters movies. Yeah. So while Matt sets up a distraction, Pecker's able to find Shelly and try to make up with her. And he does. And then they have sex question mark. Yeah, because Shelly says, make sure you wear a condom. And he's like, Oh, I missed that part. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, they're not even quiet. They're like humping and grinding and they get caught. But I believe they escape. Well, and before this, so Pecker, Matt creates a diversion. Pecker slips into the voting booth. Shelly had bags with her. So he like stands in the bag. So it like, you can't see the precinct. Yeah, when the precinct captain looks under the curtains, you can't see his feet. And he's explaining to her what art is to him. And she's like, I don't understand this art crap. And so he's like, art is everywhere. And then (laughs) it clicks for her. It clicks for her. Like the green of a grass stain. Jesus Christ. Like the yellow of pea-soaked sheets. 
like the almond brown of a mildew stain like shit like there's like these weird like animated like shooting stars <laughs> of colors and stuff and then that's when she was like okay I get it use a condom and then they bone in the voting booth it's so weird I do love that Christina Ricci does say that she did not care for Baltimore. No, she did not care for Baltimore. And, and this is John Waters hometowns, but, and the main setting for many of his movies actually. Mm -hmm. And when he found out, he just thought it was funny because he knows that you, when you're from Baltimore, it is what it is. And he gets, it's an acquired taste. She also hated laundromats. (laughs) You can never tell best acting of the movie because (laughs) to hate laundromats that much and have such enthusiasm for your job running this laundromat (laughs) I believed it well she said she hated it because she had to go how often she had to go as a child and that's one of my memories of going to a laundromat when I was little and also when I lived in New York having to go downstairs to the laundromat I very much love having my own washer and dryer now because it's a chore. I was lucky that the laundromat was in my building. So many people have to like lug that in the snow and in the winter. Shit is not fun. Not fun. And just like how many hours wasted, like having to sit. Cause you can't just leave your shit. Someone's going to pull it out and use your quarters. And you'll be walking around and you see someone wearing a shirt. True story. True story. The only time I really had to use a laundromat was when we were camping because we would camp for so long. Yeah. That we would go to the laundromat like midweek. Or like sometimes if I have like my comforters. Like the big comforters. Yeah. yeah, I would go to the laundromat. But I I mean, because I didn't have to go all the time, I kind of enjoy going to the laundromat. You know how particular I I get about hygiene yeah and sharing things like you know yeah up here (laughs) no thank you one of my favorite lines from Shelly when they're in New York is when she's like these are not laundromat people these are dry cleaning people (laughs) and I'm like oh my god I've transitioned to a dry cleaning person (laughs) that's where you are in life now Shelly hates me so we see the claw machine has now been rebranded as Pecker's place. Mm. And that is where he is holding his art gallery. And everyone is working there. Yeah. The whole family's working there. And did we know that the thrift store and the dad's bar were connected because they don't go outside to get to the mom's thrift store. They like just walk through a, like a hallway and it's just there. Did you notice that? I did not. Yeah, that was weird. I, I was thought like, it was across the street. No, across the street was the t- oh, was titty the, bar. Oh yeah, the the pelt. So I don't know with Please. the new money if they bought like another building and just attached both businesses. But anywho, yeah. everybody's working the sisters got her go-go boys me mama's got a little corner with mary all decked out mom and little chrissy are over at the thrift store dad's at the cash register behind the bar 
and everyone in town is there and they're excited because the pictures that are on the wall are not of the people of the town. They yes. are all of the uppity New Yorkers that Pecker met when he had his first exhibit. Yes. So the uppity New Yorker art crowd are on a bus that they take into Baltimore. And they're, again, Baltimore is just like spectacle to them. They're like, oh, look, row houses. Like they're <laughs> like they're on a fucking tour of a TV set or something like that. And so they get there and Matt, the friend, is like, it's $4 a, a head <laughs> to get in here. And then someone was like, what, <laughs> what are you I doing? It's a calorie. Bitch, you got to pay to get in. Yeah. I, did, I, did I say that incorrectly that you didn't hear yeah. me? And he literally says, I thought you like it when I stole. And they were just like, fair enough. I do want to bring up that that one point where Pecker got his sister fired, that Matt had taken a job at the Fudge Palace and his stripper outfit was absolutely amazing. He had a trench coat on lined with all sorts of things as if he was going to sell them. And he was in his best pair of boxer shorts yeah. that he could find. And he was just flashing. Swing, just swinging and flashing. Yeah. So now the friends of the Whitney go in and then they see themselves as the art. And they are the embarrassed. Yeah. Embarrassed. And well, because it's like a lady with a wine glass, like, and it looks like she's drunk. So she's like, I don't drink that much. There's another lady who bought the picture of Shelly, like pulling her zipper down, kind of exposing her cleavage. That lady has like full boobies. Which is Patty Hearst. Out. Yes. And like, she's the one that kind of comes around and is like, okay, like fair enough. And kind of embraces that image yeah. that Pecker has taken of her. I think they all eventually do. I think they they realize how they've been kind of displaying everyone else, like yeah. pieces of meat, essentially. Except Rory, who rolls in with her new savant, and he is blind. She says he's the first blind photographer. And so her and Shelly kind of go back and forth tit for tat on barbs with each other, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, it's also, I feel bad for laughing as hard as I did, but the blind photographer, the the way he was taking those pictures (laughs) and it was so like, kind of just exploitive to like the nth degree, just showing how far Rory was willing to go to find a counterculture to that she can take take advantage of. Yeah. Yeah, but then towards the end, it's like the lesbians are there from the Pelt Club. They're dancing with the friends of Whitney. But Jackie, yes. Why do they get naked at this party? And two, why do they both have chain locks around their waist as if they're chastity belts? Well, because do they take their panties off? They don't. So I think it was like a, 
a conversation piece about like, you don't want us exposing our bush. You're putting chastity belts on us. That that's a lot to leap and bound, but okay. I, I, I believe it, but I, my mind was just like, why do I got chains and locks on their punans? <laughs> but you know, yes, you're right. We also want to make sure we shout out that little Chrissy is off the drugs and loves vegetables, but she's yes. still hyper-focused. So that is a problem. So like, I, I never really correlated it until John Waters' description of little Chrissy, where she has an eating disorder or disordered eating, mm. should, I, I should say. So it's just like, it's any, anything that she's focused on in mass quantities. Mm. It's like, she has no regulation when it comes to the amount Tina is very excited because she's got her go-go boys and they're, she's telling them, take your clothes, take your pants off. Yeah. So they start getting on the um, bar and dancing and teabagging to all heaven. Mary's talking again. So <laughs> me mama is happy in her little corner. And she's talking without me mama throwing her voice. It is a real miracle now. Get those Catholic <laughs> ladies back showing them the real miracle but mary's also like it's almost like there's batteries in her she's shortened the hell out full of grace 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 full full, full of grace like what is she saying at the end that was a little creepy to me yeah and then we get a lovely shot of little chrissy snorting peas (laughs) little chrissy needs lots of therapy Everybody does in this movie. But I, I think ex- especially little Chrissy. Yeah. Yeah. She looks, no, she looks like Iggy Pop. Oh my God, she does. Yeah. Yeah. Not even like in a jokey manner, but she just does. Yeah. Like the stringy hair yes. and like the sun, like deep set sunken eyes with like the real dark rings around. Them. And then the last kind of shot is someone asking pecker what are you gonna do next and he says i'm thinking about directing a movie and that is pecker yes it is (laughs) how much of pecker do you think is john waters like maybe pulling from his own childhood or is this character just completely outside of that yeah, so I, I think it, it, it I, I don't think it's reflection of John Waters' personal life. And granted, I, I haven't seen or heard anything to support that, that or mm-hmm. yeah. But I do know that his parents were well off and they funded most of his early movies. Mm. I also know that in very early interviews of him, he very much looked like a hippie like he had very long hair still the pencil mustache but very long like stringy hair and he was just very into counterculture whatever that may be and exploring that through his movies and storytelling so I don't think because Pecker just seemed like he he just wanted to take pictures that were were a reflection of his life yeah Okay, well, let's look look at some of the facts that we skipped. Yeah. 
there is a scene where there are literal rats having sex, but apparently they weren't cooperating. Um, so the director held them in place and shook them to stimulate them having intercourse. Like, was that so needed? Yeah, John John Waters was like, they had a rat wrangler. So I got this information from one of his interviews where he was like, yeah, like they wouldn't fuck. And he's like, he even said, I know how to, to get them to give each other blowjobs. You put peanut butter on them. But he well, rats, rats love like rodents love peanut butter. Yes. So so he's like, but I wanted them humping and they just would not cooperate. So it was and it wasn't him, the director, it was like the set director. Gotcha. I so it was a different person, but he literally like went in the trash can like underneath and just kind of held them and made them like hump. And that's how they got that picture. <laughs> this was Stacy Keebler. If you were a WWE I noticed her, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. She was the lady shaving her legs on the bus. That was her, this was her pictorial debut. Wow. I did have to IMDb it because I was like, wait a minute. I know her. Oh boy. All right. Well, if you guys (laughs) have seen this movie or you are listening to our very unhinged episode and you have some thoughts, hit us up on social at no more late fees on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and just, uh, give us your thoughts. Or if you've seen the movie recently and rewatched it, give us your present day ratings. And in comparison to what we're about to do, Jackie, what was your present day rating? I'm torn. Between nostalgia and knowing that this movie's bad shit crazy. Yeah, but it's bad shit. Like it's what's to be expected by the director. So I can't like be like, what the fuck is this? Because I know what the fuck it is. Like it's a John Waters film. Yeah. So I'm going to go five day because it is one of my favorite movies that he's made. And I think it is, it does have a lot of good like subtext within the, the plot of this movie. Yeah. It's hard for me because I, I'm actually glad I haven't seen it in so long. It was very fresh to rewatch it. And again, it gives insight into what nerd heaven I was like in growing up. Because that girl feels so, so a part of me, but so different than where I am now. But there were moments where I full on laughed out loud Mm -hmm. watching it. The only problem is that I know I'm not going to rewatch it again. It's not going to be like, unless you come over and it's just kind of in the background, it's not going to be something I rewatch over and over again, but I don't hate it. And I, I love now that I can look at it and see so many of the deeper messages that it had mm-hmm. versus just thinking it was a very quirky movie that we liked growing up. So for me, it's like somewhere between five day and, and, and two day. Because it's not like, I don't feel high enough about it being five day and I don't feel low enough about it to be two days. So I don't know what to call that. You're just going to call it five days. So we have it even. It's whatever you feel in your heart, in your, in your pecker. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess I could say five day. I feel like it's like a nostalgic five day though. Yes. And I feel like it's something that if someone came over and was up for it and I was like, you've never seen Pecker. It'd be fun to watch them. Yes. Yeah. hundred (laughs) percent. So let us know how you feel. Call into our quick drop, please say anything. (laughs) Say hi. 909-601-6653, 909-601-6653, 909-601-6653, 909-601-6653, 909-601-NMLF, Twadis at the Twitter, leave a message on our Anchor FM account, feedback, future movies you want to hear us discuss, what you liked and disliked, give us corrections, share your video stories, we shared ours, favorite moments, and you could be featured on a future episode. And we want to give a very happy birthday shout out to our first Patreon bestie, <laughs> Laura Cora Flora Bora. <laughs> uh, for her birthday drink this year, it was Cora with a K of and two course. R's. We wish you a very happy birthday. Thanks for um, hopping on and co-hosting uh, or guesting on our, um, no, you're right. Co-hosting. <laughs> <laughs> she, she does bring the knowledge. She's she very does. good at the details. Um, our fifth element, if you want to get to know Laura better, check out our fifth element episode and trailer, as well as our mighty Morphin power Rangers movie. Which and comes a out few next meet. week. Yeah. Happy birthday, Laura. We love you. Thank you for supporting us in the podcast and and guesting with us. And we hope to do it again very soon. In the name of the moon, you rock. Love ya. (laughs) Jackie. It's morphin' time. Because we're doing Power Rangers next week. So come back. (laughs) (laughs) And as always... Be kind and rewind.